This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Friday. Friday, gotta get down on Friday, July 30th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. The Seattle Mariners did make a move yesterday. I guess they might make a move over the course of the next three hours before the trade deadline. More on that in a moment. Let's talk about who they got yesterday. Diego Castillo. That is the man that they will be replacing Kendall Graveman with. They traded a minor league prospect. They traded JG Chargois, whose name I always struggle to pronounce because I see it and I feel like it should be pronounced like a Frenchman. Whatever the case, that's the trade. It's a trade made with the Tampa Bay Rays. Diego Castillo is younger than Kendall Graveman, 27 years old. He's under club control for three more years, though you will have to go to arbitration with him each of the next three years. That's why the Rays likely moved on from him. They are cheapos, but they are wise cheapos in their defense. He's got some impressive numbers of late. He's got some impressive numbers this season, the last couple of seasons, and in the postseason. And supposedly, he's got some filthy stuff, specifically a slider that's got a miss rate of about 40%. uh, when guys swing at it. So it sounds fantastic, doesn't it? I mean, you look at that at face value. Isn't that better than Kendall Graveman? You have him for the next couple of years. And while Kendall Graveman did pitch very well this season, this is a guy that is younger and you feel like maybe can continue to improve, right? So the question of today's show, is Diego Castillo going to be better for the Mariners than Kendall Graveman? And whether you answer yes or no, explain your answer afterwards. I am cautiously optimistic. I am not brave enough to say yes. Perhaps this makes me a bad sports talk show host, but I am a little nervous about this. First off, year to year, I do think it's difficult to predict a reliever. And while you traded for a reliever that you have under control for the next couple of seasons, Diego Castillo has been a plus reliever in baseball since 2018. Is that going to continue? Because we do see, from time to time, relievers, great ones, fall off a cliff. There are some who are great for their entire career. Mariano Rivera, uh, Trevor Hoffman. But there are others who are like a supernova or a collapsing star. They shine bright, then all of a sudden, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson. It all goes away. What I will say, though, is that this is a guy who has shown that he can pitch. Okay, but he's been doing it for a while. Is it all of a sudden going to vanish, evaporate? The other thing, and this is a me problem, I care way too much about my own bod. And when I look at athletes, I feel like they should put the same effort into maintaining their bod that I put into mine. Probably thinking to yourself, Paul, you're five foot eleven, 170 pounds. You are not impressive in the slightest. That is true. I have chicken legs and forearms that can fit into small grates. However, when I look at Diego Castillo, a guy who is a little heftier, I am made nervous by this passage from Ryan Divish's write-up in the Seattle Times about the trade. 
MLB sources said the Rays had also grown frustrated with Castillo's conditioning and offseason work habits. They think some significant weight gain over the past few seasons he's listed at 250 pounds have made him less effective and less reliable, believing he has trouble bouncing back after outings. Hefty athletes drive me crazy. Again, you have one job. Stay in shape. Right. And I know I sound like Brock Heward and the Body Show and all that, but you know what? Brock Heward and I have, I think, similar tastes in terms of the athletes we like and the athletes that drive us a little bit nuts. So, look, I'm not asking for him to have a six-pack. I'm just hoping that he can find whatever his optimal weight was over the last couple of years and get back to it. And given what the Mariners seem to have been able to accomplish with the conversation that took place between Jerry Depoto and Justin Dunn uh, this offseason, Justin Dunn, you know, when he was healthy, seemed like he improved himself by changing his diet, and getting into better shape for this season. So maybe that's something that for Diego Castillo long-term can be worked on. Are they better for 2021 with Diego Castillo instead of Kendall Graveman? With Abraham Toro aboard? If we're going to weigh things from a scale perspective, Tyler Anderson is someone I'm looking at and I'm like, okay, you have a fifth starter, but I don't think he's providing a whole lot of weight if we're going to you know, use one of those old-school scales to balance things out. So you put him on, it's not moving very much. Kendall Graveman... You know, he's still weighing it down heavily. Then you put Abraham Toro on it. Okay. I, I like Toro's potential. And then you add Diego Castillo. I do think that you are slightly better for this year. But the clubhouse side of things is where I think it gets a little bit dicey and where people start to question whether or not the dynamic of what's inside the clubhouse right now and players that might be angry about Kendall Graven being shipped off, is that going to affect their play the rest of the year? They got to get over it, but there is a human element to baseball, and I can't just entirely dismiss it. So if I'm answering that question that I throw to you, will Diego Castillo be better for the Mariners than Kendall Graveman? Going forward, yes. For the rest of this season, maybe. If one of those answers is yes, then I feel like you're headed in the right direction here, but... You guys get to answer this question. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me at Gallant says. We are waiting to see what the Mariners do before the trade deadline. Jerry Depoto did say after the move for Diego Castillo, we feel like we've accomplished doing what we could do to improve our team now and to continue to improve our team for 2022 and beyond. And a little bit further, when asked if he was done, I've said all along that we were focused on doing what we could to improve our team now and to continue to improve our team for 2022 and beyond. We feel like we've accomplished that. I can't tell you that we will make another deal between now and the deadline, but we're not intentionally done. If we're done, it's just because we weren't able to get anything across, but we do have other things going. That is vague. Maybe they make a move. Maybe they don't. I would like to see them make another move, but unfortunately, Jose Barrios of the Minnesota Twins, the Blue Jays traded for him. Another team that's hanging around with you made a move. The New York Yankees, they got Anthony Rizzo. The Boston Red Sox, they added Kyle Schwarber. So the American League teams all got better and Did you improve to the same degree as them? No, you didn't. Maybe you got marginally better for this year, but those other teams, they are better. And I would say that the Blue Jays now are concerning, given their offense. That offense is loaded. They are behind you. You would think that the Yankees could figure things out by the end of the year, but you never know. You never know what the way things go up in the Bronx. Anywho. Excuse me. I'm going to scrap that word, because I know some of you guys, you lose your minds when you hear it. Anyhow, 710-710, again, the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Paul, you forgot Joe Smith. No, I, I, I purposely didn't mention him. Don't expect anything out of Joe Smith. That is a plus if you get anything out of him. 
I remember from watching him in Houston. And that was that was a guy I remember we were a little bit more excited about when they brought him into Houston a couple of years ago. And that one, yeah, has not worked out so much. 7-10, 7-10. Yes, it does. But does it make sense to swap Graveman and Castillo and only end up with Toro for an upgrade as a hitter? Unless they flip Toro, I don't see why it makes sense. They believe in Toro's potential. Do I? I don't know. They do. People in league circles do. The nerdy types have been waiting for a jump in Toro's production. And I will say, I mean, first two games, two home runs in the first game of the series uh, against the Seattle Mariners when he was with Houston, he also hit a home run. So, all right. He's smacking them deep. Is that something that can continue over the course of a season? I will say, any upgrade in your lineup, take it. And you're hoping now that with Kyle Lewis potentially one to two weeks away, something that sort of went under the radar with the news that we've been talking about of late, and also Jake Fraley, maybe someone that we see back in the next week. I wonder what happens. I wonder if wonder if we might see another minor league stint for Jared Kelnick. If both of those guys come back, how do you work your outfield there? Question of the day, again, 710-710 on Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Is Diego Castillo going to be better for the Mariners than Kendall Graveman? Explain your answer. It is 1010. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Right now it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by King's Heating and Air with the one and only DJ Wilder. DJ Wilder wearing a Seattle Steelheads hat. Oh, heck yeah. So A uniform that they should adopt as a permanent alternate uniform. I would like to see it some more. Yes, I like that. And you know me. I like me some teal. And if you don't like teal... Repeal the teal. I'm sorry. I think the Steelheads uniform should be their Sunday uniform. And I'm really hoping that their Friday uniform will eventually be the spring training uniforms that they have right now, the baby blues, because those are fantastic. I want everyone to know that I'm staring with the anger of a thousand suns into DJ Wilder's eyes. You can see this on 710sports.com slash video. Boom. Nice plug. You know what? You're back on my good side because you did that. What's going on, DJ? First up, Adam Schefter is reporting that Carson Wentz, now the Colts quarterback, of course, is out indefinitely as he's undergoing more tests for a foot injury that he suffered in training camp, which is opening the door for former Husky, former Georgia Bulldog Jacob Eason to start week one. And why this is so interesting, Paul, is that that's the Seahawks week one opponent. Yes. On a personal, Paul wants his takes to be right level. He is concerned, speaking in the third person, about Carson Wentz and his ability to actually make it happen in Indianapolis. But on a Paul Gallon is a callous you-know-what and does not mind when injuries take place, at least from the perspective of the Seattle Seahawks, it stinks for Carson Wentz. I hope he recovers, much like I hope Cam Akers recovers. But this is great news for the Seahawks. You might get to see Jacob Barrel roll Eason under center for the Indianapolis Colts in Week 1. What are you saying? Watch it? Watch it. Jacob Eason drove me crazy watching him with UW. Oh, he drove everybody crazy. It's okay. Why does he do these spin moves? 
He's not Russell Wilson. Like, stop watching Russell Wilson. I understand that you're in Seattle. But also, J- Jake Browning started doing the same stuff after the 2016 season. Mm. He started doing the same thing. So I wonder if it was like a QB. Like, not Jake Heaps. Definitely not. Jake. I can tell you right now, Jake Heaps was not teaching him to do barrel rolls. He was not teaching Jacob Eason to do was barrel rolls. Chris Peterson? But, is, is Chris Peterson secretly a Star Fox fan that we didn't know about? I don't know, but I, I do wonder if it was some, some sort. Because you didn't see Dylan Moores do that at all last year. Mm. And he's not the most mobile. And no. you weren't seeing him do that at all when he was facing pressure. He threw the ball away. Objectively, Eason's in a good spot. I mean, that, that that's a good offensive line, and that is a really good offensive line. Out indefinitely with a foot injury, Carson Wentz is. Yeah, we'll see that how that affects him. Carson Wentz, even if he is healthy, is a guy who is notorious for hanging on to the football very long. And if your foot's not 100%, then that might make you even more of somebody who's going to hold on to the football looking for the best moment that you can step off of your foot plant all that stuff good news for the Seahawks definitely if this is week one and week one's what four five six weeks away coming around the corner what's up next as you had already mentioned the Mariners traded for a relief pitcher Diego Castillo for current major league reliever JT Chargois who the Mariners really did a good job finding signing to a minor league deal has been very effective this year and trade away third base prospect Austin Shenton out of Bellingham shout out Northwest Conference of my high school glory quote unquote yeah and the Blue Jays trade for Jose Barrios and now the part I wanted to add to you given that update is that the Blue Jays did give up two top 100 prospects for him in Austin Martin who was a first round pick last year according to MLB Pipeline he is the 16th ranked prospect of all in all baseball okay. and then they also trade away a pitcher by the name of Simeon Woods Richardson the 68th ranked prospect so that means you probably would have had to trade multiple of your guys, right? So Jason Churchill, who we all follow here, he's a great follow. All had him on the show. Players, all process. Yes, you had him on the show. He's great. He said Noel V. Marte and Emerson Hancock, two top 100 prospects in the Mariners system, might have gotten this done. The fact that Simeon Woods Richardson, according to Churchill, according uh, like the fact that his ETA is like right now, he could be in the majors right now, that helped. That makes it a lot more palatable because you don't want to pay a whole lot. I, I'll say this with, with Jose Barrios. He's a good pitcher. Is he a, is he a great pitcher that's worth sending multiple prospects? I thought it might take one prospect to get it done. Toronto's desperate. That's my read on that. And I understand why. You spend all that money on Marcus Simeon this offseason. You bring in George Springer this offseason too on the long-term contract. Simeon's a one-year deal. They realize that they have a shot this season, and you need a starting pitcher to get there. So this might make things a little bit more difficult for the Mariners in the wild card race. And look, they've been they have been playing at a much better level than their talent indicates it should be playing. I'll give them a lot of credit for it. I I, I do find what they are doing exceptionally impressive, but right now those teams in the American League all got a little bit better than the Mariners. There's no denying that. 710-710, that's the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me. At Gallant says as well, the question of today's show, will Diego Castillo be better for the Mariners than Kendall Graveman? Explain your answer. 206-421-3776. Unleash the hounds. You may call into the program the old-fashioned way. It's time for you guys to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. I don't know if we're ever going to top 
the level of interactivity that we had yesterday, but I'm looking forward to seeing what y'all bring to the table today. I threw this question out on Twitter. The poll results. Will Diego Castillo be better for the Mariners than Kendall Graveman? 69% nice say yes, 31% no. I'm surprised that that's the majority because I thought the majority opinion after the Kendall Graveman trade was that this is, you know, the end of the world, the apocalypse. The season is now about to careen off of a cliff. Seems like some people are getting a little bit of a better feeling about the direction of the team after this trade. The guy's good on paper and has some filthy stuff that you would be able to see on Pitching Ninja's Twitter account or something like that. So that slider he's got, it's nice to watch. He's 27. There's There are some perks here. I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic, I will admit. And I do think that they are slightly better with Diego Castillo, short-term and long-term. But the problem is short-term, in the coming weeks, is he going to be able to give you the kind of performances that Kendall Graveman was this season? I guess I have to see it. The guy has been delivering saves for what it's worth. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. Nate is in Everett. Nate, what's going on? Good morning, sir. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Paul. Anytime. Hey, I absolutely love what Jerry's been doing. Okay? Love it. I, I I love it, okay? I mean, we, we could start from Kyle Lewis, his first pick, okay? Everything that Jerry's been doing for the club has been outstanding for the long run. Okay, the moves that he's making, he's creating a dynasty. We're going to be a dynasty. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's extreme wording, bro. Yeah, because what he's doing is extremely awesome. Okay, his draft picks have been outstanding, and we're only just seeing the tip of the iceberg. Okay, Logan Gilbert, Kyle Lewis, Jared Kilman, Cal Raleigh. We got uh, Julio, Emerson Hancock. We got George Kirby. Mm-hmm. Noel Marte, when, when's the last time that we've had a farm system like this? The farm system okay. is loaded, but that does not mean every single one of these guys, Nate, is going to come up to the major leagues and be good, and we have to be careful with that. I mean, right now, we are seeing Jared Kelnick struggle, and he might be able to bounce out of it. He's young. He's 21 years old, and I like what I'm seeing out of Cal Raleigh. I like what I'm seeing out of Logan Gilbert thus far, and you're right. Kyle Lewis is the unanimous rookie of the year last season for you, but there's no guarantee that all these guys are going to be performing to that level, right? So, I, I I would I would hold your horses on any dynasty talk, and I think a lot of listeners right now are probably like, oh God, Nate, oh two zero six four two one three seven seven six is how you call it. You can text it to seven ten seven ten on the Mac and Jacksburg Company text line. Two texters is that Jerry? The photo is that Jerry on the phone? Another text. He swapped the relievers with similar numbers and got a long term answer at second base. Good trades. Yeah. I, I think objectively that's a good way to look at it, but you know, sometimes you got to talk to this man who always finds a way to put a different, and I would say negative spin on things to the degree that he might be even better at this than me. Robert's in Kingsgate. Robert, what's going on? Hey, Paul, you know, I just want to uh, thanks for taking my call again. Um, I just want to say that you keep on saying proven product on paper, but that means little compared to the fact that Graveman has proved, one, he's a great closer. Two, I must, he must have been an outstanding guy in the locker room because everyone really cherished that guy and really looked up to him for what he went through, a broken neck, coming back, 
going into a new role on the team, you know, just gelling around him. And this new guy we get, he's an unproven. Yeah, he may have playoffs. Uh, Robert, I think he's more proven. He's got a longer track record. My big question about Diego Castillo going forward is if he's going to be able to keep mm. this up. But with Graveman, it's one year in the bullpen role, and he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, he transitioned into this quite fantastically given what he was able to to overcome, but you have to also have to wonder about you know what's going on with the neck. Where there's a, if I'm not mistaken, a benign tumor on the neck. Where with Diego Castillo, okay, there was definitely some questions about maybe his weight and all that, and that's my big issue with going forward for him. But I mean, he's been good since 2018 in this role, and he is a guy that you know has what I think 14 saves and 16 opportunities for the Rays this year. So I I, I think actually he has been more proven for a longer period of time. To the first points that you brought up, though. Robert, I mean, yeah, there were people in the locker room crying, in the clubhouse crying when the guy got traded. And that, what that effect is going to be for the coming weeks, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if the morale is now improved after both Diego Castillo and Abraham Toro have been added to the lineup. We'll see. You know, that's the whole problem that I'm seeing right there is that we'll see. Yeah. Friedman, we already saw. And we were on that verge. You know, it, it's just a shock that Jerry would pull this move off right now. You know, he could have done it maybe next year, you know, and just like, hey, you know, you want this amount of money. We don't have it because, you know, what we're doing this year. But no, he does this. And everyone's like, man, you know, it's typical Mariners. But if you're if on paper, if he's going to be what you're saying is, then. I guess I have to trust the system. There we go, Robert. Look at that. A little optimism from Robert on a Friday. That's a good way to end the week. 206-421-3776. We will talk to you more at 1045. I was out at Seahawks training camp yesterday. I have some takes on what I was able to see. Dave Wyman played for the Seattle Seahawks and is the color voice of the Seattle Seahawks on this very network when you hear them on the call. I love the Wyman chuckle. I'm curious as to what he saw yesterday. So we'll talk about Seahawks training camp in the first two days next, right here on your home of the Seahawks, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness... You're going to get your, you're going to fail with Paul Gallant. Our training camp coverage is presented by Precore Home Fitness. And joining me right now on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline, the one, the only, Dave Wyman of Wyman and Bob. Dave, what's going on, buddy? Not much, Paul. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Training camp's underway. And what was your biggest takeaway from the first two days? My biggest takeaway, it's hard to have a real strong take on anything when you're watching guys, I think, start to just get back into football shape and you're seeing them out there playing in shorts you know there were a couple of nice runs by Carson uh Chris Carson and Rashad Penny but you know all you're allowed to do is essentially tag and then get out of the way when those guys uh are running up the field but what was your biggest takeaway well let's see as far as like I'll tell you what I'll I'll describe a feat of strength okay I saw Alden Smith take a probably 275 to 300 pound blocking dummy and pretty much just turn it upside down. Oof. So you're supposed to just go hit it, and there's a spring on it, but he pushed it up and then gave it like a little bit of extra, and it kind of tumbled over. And if you know how heavy those things are, it was pretty It was pretty amazing. He did it a couple of times, and I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that. Now, if you have, you know, 
if, if somebody practiced it, you know, they could probably do that. And really, does that have anything to do with football? Uh, not really, because it's just a sled. But still, uh, that guy is amazing. I mean, coming back and doing what he did after being out for four years, I mean, that was maybe one of the more impressive things I've seen. So, but we have no idea, yeah. you know, if he's going to be able to actually play. You know, he's one of those guys, kind of like Josh Gordon, that you probably don't count on for the whole year, whatever. But just, you know, seeing how just the raw athletic ability of these young guys and watching, I was watching the D-line and how quick they are. I think it's going to be really, really cool to watch um, the defensive ends in the pass rush because that's one of the things, that's one of the big question marks, right? Like, where do all the sacks come from? they got a lot of guys, but, you know, who's going to be? I don't think they have a guy that's going to get, 12 to 15, but I think they have a bunch of guys that can get seven or eight. They certainly have a lot of depth. Carlos Dunlap looks massive wearing number eight. It was one of my big takeaways yesterday. You also have, uh, in addition to Alden Smith, I mean, Alton Robinson was second among rookies in sacks in the NFL. We'll see what LJ Collier is able to do, if Rasheen Green is going to be able to make it, but there's, there's certainly a lot of options for them on the defensive line. Alden Smith's the interesting one, definitely – Dave, because that's a guy that had three sacks in that game between the Cowboys and Seahawks, but also has had just a litany of questionable decisions, dumb decisions that he's made off of the field. And for whatever reason, even though Dallas's defense wasn't very good last year, they made it evident pretty clearly in the offseason that they were not going to bring him back. The reasons for which I am not 100% certain, but... The strength, the size, all of those things that he always has had, yeah, it's certainly there. Yeah, and I don't mean to make it all about him because you're right. Alton Smith, or I'm sorry, Alton Robinson, um, when we did our top 20, I had him in the top 15. I think he's going to be one of those guys that that really breaks out this year. So, um, yeah, they've got got a lot of that. You mentioned Rasheem Green. (laughs) Rasheem Green is like the most steady dude. Like, I feel like if this guy – is on this team for the rest of his career. At the end of his career, he's going to look back and have a nice 10, 12 year career with, you know, 60, 65, 70 sacks for this team. He's really technical mm. and stuff like that, but nobody thinks about him as being, you know, this. So they, they have a lot of those good type of guys. And like I said, you know, with Alden Smith, you know, if you can get four, five, six sacks out of him and he's only playing, you know, a little bit of the time. Yeah, he's, he would be a good piece for, for your team. But, you know, you worry about the, the off-the-field stuff and everything with him. But just, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same story. And I think that the big question marks, Paul, are who's going to be the number three receiver? Is it going to be a tight end? Mm. I, I predicted it would be Will Disley. Uh, you know, it could be Gerald Everett. It could be, you know, Freddie Swain. But And then the other thing is, you know, where's the pass rush going to come from and who are going to be the two corners? Is it going to be the two tall guys in Witherspoon and Flowers or is it going to be the shorter guys in DJ Reed or Trey Brown? Now, to the wide receiver side of things, we did see Gerald Everett make a really nice catch in the back corner of the end zone with Ben Burkhurvin in coverage. I thought that was promising because Gerald Everett's a guy that certainly has had talent. There's a reason he was drafted in the second round, but... You know, listening to, I think, Lindsay Theory of ESPN, who covers the Rams for ESPN, she said that he has had some drop issues and that he needed, essentially, a fresh start to perhaps get away from L.A. So Everett's a guy that I'm definitely looking at. I'm glad you mentioned Alton Robinson in that light because, of course, you know, he went to football powerhouse Syracuse, one of the greatest football programs in the known universe. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm glad you also mentioned the cornerback group. 
Akilah Witherspoon, and, and look, they're, they're mixing and matching guys out there in the secondary. It's difficult to, to – they're trying to, I think, disguise who the first team is, who the second team is. And, of course, Jamal Adams isn't out there. But Akilah Witherspoon really looks the part. I mean, he just looks long, and he had a nice deflection on a pass downfield. I, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic about him having seen him on the field for the first time. Yeah, we talked to Moyer yesterday. He used to coach defensive backs, and uh, Paul Moyer comes on our show quite a bit. and He really likes him, really likes him. I think the, the question mark with him is health. You know, but really, Paul, if you were to say, okay, from what I have seen and what, you know, for most Seahawks fans, what would you be most comfortable with? They'd probably say DJ Reed and Trey Flowers because Trey Flowers Mm. has been a starting corner here. Now, I know people have varying degrees of, you know, how how effective they think he is or, you know, whether or not he's a, a starter in this league. He's got the most experience, that's for sure. But, yeah, Witherspoon, the way they paid him, uh, certainly indicates that they expect big things out of him. So I really love the way DJ Reed plays, too. And I know he's he's a little undersized as well, but he throws every bit of his body in there. Yeah. He almost dislocated his entire arm off of his body <laughs> in that playoff game last year, just going up and just throwing everything he had into tackling Cam Akers and kind of hurt himself a little bit, but got back in the game and just love everything about that guy. He's very gritty, so... Yeah, these are great storylines. You know, the other one I would say, too, is um, is there going to be a Doug Baldwin that comes mm. out of this group? Is there going to be a, an undrafted free agent that that possibly makes this team? So, yeah, that that's the that's another one of the great, you know, questions. There's this Weddington kid, of course, out of Stanford, the greatest uh, football program there we go. ever. <laughs> uh, much better than Syracuse. Hey. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so he's an undrafted free agent out of Stanford. I mean, those guys like that, that you know, that's another storyline. I love the preseason. I love camp. I know a lot of people don't care for it, and they're like, ah, just tell me when the regular season starts, but there's some great, like, sort of drama that unfolds out of this, and sometimes you get these great stories, you know, of a guy who, like, Troy Main Pope a few years ago, everybody in Seattle fell in love with him during the preseason, so, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of stuff to, to watch this year. It's good that we'll actually have preseason games so we can see some of those things play out, that's for yeah. sure. My, my last question for you, Dave, you are a former linebacker, and I know you, like, like me, in, in, in 2019, really liked what you saw out of Michael Kendricks in that strong side linebacker position, and obviously last year we loved what we saw out of K.J. Wright there. O- over the coming weeks, and obviously you can only make take so much out of what you see at training camp, especially when things aren't full contact, but what should we, if we're out there at training camp, be looking for with Daryl Taylor? Well, I'm, I'm really excited to see him just as a pass rusher, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, uh, I think the big question is, can you drop into coverage? Do you have a sense for, you know, playing linebacker? Can you play off the line? <laughs> the example always, and maybe it just stands out to me, is when Bruce Irvin came here and they put him at linebacker. So he was like a second-level linebacker, and he's dropping back into pass zones and everything, and I'm thinking, I don't know, this guy's going to be lost. He was amazing. He was so good. He got, you know, he had a sense for how the routes develop. He plays blocks really well. And so I was like, wow, this guy truly is. And the problem was Bruce Irvin had zero interest in playing linebacker. Didn't <laughs> care. He got two pick sixes, I think, in the same year and didn't care about it. He just wanted sacks. So, but, you know, if Daryl Taylor somehow has a knack like Bruce Irvin, yeah, they're going to probably get him on the field. 
you know, I, I think Cody Barton should be on the field. I think he can play anywhere. He played anywhere at, you know, everywhere at Utah. And I think he's talented enough to be a starter. So, you know, if you were going to put, give me those two guys, I would, I would talk much more about Cody Barton mm. getting him on the field than I would Daryl Taylor. So, because Daryl Taylor hasn't played. That's right. He hasn't played a snap in the NFL. And Barely so, practiced. You know, we don't even know if he can effectively rush the passer. We'll see how it all plays out. It's great to be back. It was awesome just to see all the players on the field, all the fans back there as well yesterday. And, and, and good to hang out with you a little bit, Dave. Uh, and thanks for stopping by yeah. and um, looking forward to what you guys have to see and say at practice later today. Wyman and Bob coming up at 2 o'clock today. Thanks, Paul. He is Dave Wyman right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. Wyman and Bob, of course, every single afternoon right here. Big thanks to Dave. Okay, uh, coming up next. The conversation of today's show is whether or not the Mariners are better after they made that trade to get in Diego Castillo. Is Diego Castillo better for the Mariners going forward? Not just the years to come, but this year than Kendall Graveman. You get to answer that on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. People want to know if the Mariners are throwing their hands up in the sky and surrendering, not making a trade in the next uh, two hours and 15 minutes or so. That's when the trade deadline takes place. Anyone like that reference? No, no. Look, I know pop culture. It's not just Danny. Throw your hands up in the sky. I don't know the rest of the lyrics, but I know that part. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. The question of today's show, guys. Will Diego Castillo be better for the Mariners than Kendall Graveman? Explain your answer. I just liked this text from Andrew and Everett. We got rid of Big Heavy and now got a pitcher that's actually big and heavy. Nice. Another text. Sometimes you get a good feel for how good a player is based off of the reaction from the fan base that moves on from him. Obviously, I think any Houston Astro fan right now is salivating over the first appearance for Kendall Graveman because of the giant funeral procession that seems to have taken place on the mean internet streets and on this very show over the last couple of days. And that's not to knock Kendall Graveman. It's just there was extreme reaction to the Mariners moving on from him, considering it's Kendall Graveman, who's been good one year, but, you know, it's been one year. Uh, A text, I looked through the Rays Reddit. Most Rays fans seemed sad to let him go. They also saw a lot of comments talking about how he would load the bases just to strike out three in a row. All right, well, he's a gunslinger. He likes to live dangerously. 206-421-3776. Let's go to Dakota in Silverdale. Dakota, what's up? What's up, Paul? So I think um, it's entirely possible that we've improved our ball club. In fact, I think we probably have. I think Castillo, um, the track record, it speaks for itself in terms of I think think that he's long-term going to be a better reliever, and, and that stands the control. But timing's everything, and emotions matter. And I just think for for this team in the clubhouse, clearly you could see the evidence that they were just peeved over this. And as a fan base, you know, 20 years devoid of uh, success, it's a hard pill to swallow. Now, I say this, and I believe that Jerry can save and salvage this in a way. Um, granted, there's a lot of the big names are, are disappearing off the board and, and moving on to – you know, all the, the big payroll teams. 
But there's a chance he could pull off a move that, that might send the message to the team and to the fan base that, um, you know, our window is, is still open this year, uh, even though it was, it was never supposed to be. Let's go to the first part of what you said there, Dakota. So you, you do think they've improved, but you also feel the clubhouse is being ignored here. And the clubhouse, yeah, it was. I mean, they're definitely thinking about big picture more than they're thinking about the 2021 stretch run. Do you think that the team is going to understand that it improved a little bit with the moves that were made here, or are they going to need to see some real show of good faith, like a a, a bribery, as uh, we saw in Breaking Bad when Walter White buys his son like a Dodge Challenger? Is that what they need to have to to feel better down the stretch? Well, it helped uh, with Abraham Toro quickly coming out and dropping bombs. Yes. I definitely think that helps perception. Uh, you know, the perception is that this guy can hit Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, this, he, he was not a nothing prospect. So there's something to Abraham Toro. And I think if Diego Castillo comes and shows that he can um, do exactly what Rays fans suggested and, and strike out the side, hopefully not with the bases loaded. Um, but I, I think that they can show that, that they did improve by their performance. But I still think another move needs to be made for, for the fans to mm. feel that. Appreciate the phone call, Dakota. I, I don't know if you make a move just for the fans, but I also understand the sentiment. Here's the thing. You're allowed to be peeved about them moving on from Kendall Graveman as a fan. And you don't have to move on from that. The players do. They have to get used to this. This is going to happen. There are going to be more trades in the coming years. You think this is the, the first departure that we're going to see? I mean, this offseason, Kyle Seager's probably going to be gone. We'll see if they bring back Yusei Kikuchi. That is a safe assumption, I think, at this point. You know, you, you, you look at the big picture here, they're going to have to get used to the idea that some guys are not going to be along for the entire ride. And sometimes teams make decisions like this, and you look at them and you're like, what are they thinking? You know, I, I remember specifically um, Lawyer Malloy when he was released by my favorite team back in 2003, I remember I was angry. And then, then he joins the team that beats the team he'd been released from 31 nothing the first week of the season. But it made sense in the big picture. It's sometimes just hard to see it now, and you got to be patient. And that's, I think, impossible to ask of a fan base here. So I, I empathize. I know I'm not necessarily someone who has been suffering. I'm not necessarily. I am definitely not someone who has suffered with you. But I would say, you know, a little patience here. They did get marginally better. Marginally. The problem is, as a couple of people have brought up on the text line, to keep up with the rest of the American League's best, I don't think they did. And that also will probably, unless something happens in the next two hours and eight minutes when the trade deadline takes place, that is something that I think also will stick in the craw of the Mariners' clubhouse. The Blue Jays, I mean, they added Jose Barrios, and they're behind you. I feel like that, at the very least, gives them a pretty good shot over the next couple of months to wrap up the season of catching you. Two months, what are they, only a couple of games back of you in the wild card race? I don't think the Yankees are necessarily going to do anything. I, I, you know, Anthony Rizzo, I, I think that helps their offense, but isn't there a question about their pitching, like all of their pitching? Give this a little bit of time, but I do think that they are marginally better. 
we'll see with Abraham Toro. Promising returns thus far. And Diego Castillo, it seems like is a guy who is on the same level and has been on the same and has been on the same level for longer than Kendall Graveman as Kendall Graveman. I'm Paul Gallant. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show. Thank you so much for making it as interactive as you do every single day. The show would not be what it is without you guys. It was a very fun week talking with you. It was a very eventful week, huh? Goodness gracious. I'm exhausted. Between the late games against the Astros, the comeback, the trades, the emotions, all of these things, and also Seahawks training camp underway. But it's been a lot of fun. Big thanks again to everybody who listens, to Dave Wyman who stopped by earlier, and of course to DJ Wilder who was fantastic this week filling in for one more Aduli. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell. Jake and Stacy live from training camp brought to you by Precore Home Fitness next.